pretty much took me by surprise. I was sort of getting myself all prepared. Uh, you know how you, you run with regular church, you have worship service, then you you do your tithes and offerings, then you get your kids organized, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my church, amen? And so I'm thinking that's the way it will go, and uh, he just brought me up, amen? But it's Jacob, it's Pastor Jacob. We, like he said, we know each other for so long, good man, uh, love him dearly. And uh, we've been tracking together now for about pretty much 16 years. As a matter of fact, I, I was up on Burnaby Mountain this morning just uh, spending some time with Father. And uh, I remembered uh, when we came to Canada 16 years ago, uh, his church at that time would have been the first church we actually ministered in. And he was the second. Uh, there was one guy before him that I ministered to, but he was the second uh, person in Canada that I ever prophesied over. And uh, uh, much of what uh, we prophesied has literally come to pass in his life. I've seen him walk through uh, a lot of that stuff. Amen? So it's good to be here. You know what? I have a message on PowerPoint, but I forgot the data stick at home. I can email it to you now, and you can have it. It's okay? You don't have Wi-Fi here. Oh, you don't have Wi-Fi here. But then we can go the other route. It's so good to put it up. Maybe I can pin you to my iPhone, and you can... Um, I wonder if I can remember the password. There is a password for these things. I wonder if I can remember the password. 77778. I wonder if I could remember, if I could just remember the password. I guess we may have to go without it. I, I can't remember the password for... Yeah, you know, just got to uh, uh, download it straight. Ah, that's just a mess. I, I, I really, uh, forgive me, I should have walked. I had it right on top of my computer and literally forgot... To pick it up, but here's what's happening to me. Uh, when he asked me to, to minister number one, I put it down in my uh, a phone in my calendar, and we so high tech these days. You put it there, and you just forget it. You just set a date, and you know well you have to do that. And I told it to remind me two days before. Well, as it turns out, two days before is going to be Friday because I have to minister here on Sunday. Well, as it turns out, we had a meeting planned for Wednesday of this week, and so he and I met for coffee, no, we met for lunch, and he said to me, are you still coming? <laughs> I like, hello, I literally forgot, because it's in my phone, well, it's a good thing we met on Wednesday, because now I lead a church, so it means that, had, he, had we not had lunch on Wednesday, and he reminded me that I needed to come here this Sunday, uh, then I would have been uh, calling someone on Friday to tell them you need to preach on Sunday. And I really love to give my leaders a little chance to prepare. So I was able to get all that cleared up and settled and uh, one of the young men will be preaching this morning. But from the time he spoke to me uh, on Wednesday, uh, immediately I knew where I wanted to go. I know what I wanted to preach. I had a clear sense of where I wanted to go, but then Spirit of God messed me up. Everything out, everything done, everything settled within a matter of hours. And then he began messing with my mind. And so I ended up with three messages to preach in one session. So how do you do that? Take about two hours. Take about two hours. It took me two weeks. <laughs> and so I'm going to try my best to see if I can fit in nuggets from all three. And I, I, I let me begin with... Last week, this thing like dawned upon me so strong. 
we all enter into the festive season called Christmas and to one degree or another it has become so commercialized and uh, without even thinking about it as believers sometimes we enter into the commercialization of Christmas we all think about Christmas and we our minds, a lot of us, I'm not saying this is true for Acts 29, but I know for a lot of people, Boxing Day is the big day. <laughs> because that's when you get everything on sale. Or for some, it's Black Friday, before the Christmas begins. And so it's so commercialized, sometimes we, we miss the significance of what it really should be. Now we all know that Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th. We, we, we're old enough and we've studied long enough to know this. But that's not the point. The point is that he was born. He did in fact arrive on planet Earth. But the thing that really dawned on me last week and really sort of downloaded into my spirit was this question. How was Jesus really born? And I began to ponder that for a while. Now we all understand the dynamics of reproduction. We know how that operates. Boy meets girl. They get married. And they have a relationship. And out of that relationship, babies come. But in the case of Jesus, it was different. And I read that scripture which says, the Bible says the, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. My question was, how did he come? How did he come? Now I understand that Mary was a Jew. And for the Jewish people, interacting with angels wasn't something weird or spooky. It was recorded in their history. Angels always spoke to them. And if we go back to scripture, angels could take several forms. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, Be careful how you entertain strangers meaning another human being, for some have entertained angels unawares. And we understand that angels, there are two meanings to angels. Angels could be simply a human messenger. I'm an angel this morning. I'm a messenger to you. There's nothing weird about me. But there's also another connotation about angel, meaning a divine being that can manifest as a man. And so the question is, when Gabriel came to Mary... Did he manifest as a man? And if he didn't, how did he come? And how did she know that it was an angel? But that's beside the point. Is what he told her. That is interesting. He said to her, The Holy Spirit shall hover over you, and you shall receive this seed in your womb. No, no, no. Back the truck up. How does that happen? How, how do we interpret that? How do we identify that? How did that take place? How did the Holy Spirit, someone that is unseen, unfamiliar to Mary, because at that point in time, they only knew about a presence called the Holy Spirit that would come time and again. But it's a totally different story for the Holy Spirit to now come and impregnate you. How does that happen? 
what was going on in Mary's mind when that happened. It's one thing for the angel to say to her, I'm going to come upon your husband to be Joseph, and I'm going to anoint him so that when you marry, you'll produce Jesus. This is a totally different story. This is, I'm going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit shall hover over you and shall impregnate you. And the thing that you shall carry will be holy. Now, I, I pondered about that for a while. And I thought to myself, how did Mary receive that? Well, we all know the story. She said, be it unto me according to your word. And we know she wasn't talking about the word that the angel gave her. She, she, she received that word as though it came from God. Be it unto me according to your word. That's one part of the story. The other part of the story is that how do you go tell your husband to be that you're pregnant? But not only that you're pregnant, but you're pregnant for Holy Spirit. Well, if I were a husband, I'll tell her she's lying and that she has someone else. That before we even got married, she was unfaithful because back in those days... Being a virgin when you get married was very important. As a matter of fact, we don't do that today, but in some societies they still do. In some cultures, they still do. When you get married, the morning after the ceremony, you've got to bring proof that you were a virgin. But then that's not even the point. The, the challenge is, how did the Holy Spirit do it? How did He... Because this is not somebody getting a word from God like you and I say, well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I'm carrying in my spiritual womb a word from God to bring forth something. This is someone receiving from the Holy Spirit an unseen agent pouring into you a word that is producing a physical thing inside of you. So for nine months... Mary had to go through the challenge of walking with this thing inside of her. But here's what. She had no point of reference. There was no point of reference. Mary couldn't go and speak to anyone and ask them how it shall be. Because every other person came to the byproduct of a man's sperm and a woman's egg. But Mary is carrying something that didn't come through the agency of a man's sperm, so she has no point of reference. Not only does she have no point of reference, for five months she had to hide because she didn't want anybody to know that she got pregnant. But here's what, here's the kicker. While the angel came to Mary in person, Gabriel came in person, she spoke to him like you and I, God had to put her husband to beat Joseph to sleep and give him a dream. Because there's no way that Joseph would have been convinced if a, if a man walked up to him as an angel and told him, this is what's going to happen to your wife. He wouldn't receive it. He couldn't receive it. So God had to put him to sleep. He got a dream. In the dream, he understood what was to take place. But look at this man, awoken from sleep, and decide, you know what, I'm going to marry her. Before he went to sleep, talk to me, and the whole idea, because the Bible says that he was wanting to put her away privately. 
He wanted to get rid of her. I'm not going to marry this woman. She already had someone in me. But I'm a just man. I'm not going to make a big noise about it. I'm going to put her away privately and look for someone else. The angel came at night in sleep, spoke to him. He got up and said, you know what? I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry her so that when she begins to show, everyone will think it's mine. But look at me, look at me. She had no point of reference. She couldn't even go back to Adam because Adam was created from the dust of the ground and out of him came Eve. Talk to me. And they were both adults, so there's no point of reference. She can't even go back to Adam. This somebody carrying something for the very first time in the history of the planet that will never happen again. It never happened up to that point and will never happen again. But watch this. God has a way of confirming things to us. Because here it is, she's walking with this child five months, six months. She come in contact with her cousin Elizabeth, who was a woman that was barren, couldn't make children. Now you have to understand something, you have to understand the Jewish tradition and the Jewish culture. For somebody to be married and can't have kids, that's a stigma, it's a stain, it's a, it's a shame. And so for Elizabeth, past the age of child, she's now old, can't have kids. But lo and behold, now she's pregnant, and Mary is coming to her, and inside something happened. Because all of a sudden, they they, they begin to connect to one another, and the baby leaps on the inside. And what God is doing, God is confirming to Mary, don't worry, it's going to work out. Don't worry, it's going to work out. But we know that when God, in, in today's term, what God does for you and I is this. The same way he did to Mary, and the Holy Spirit hovered over her, and poured into her, what was a spirit, really, talk to me, was a spirit. It wasn't a physical sperm, it was a spirit, talk to me, that connected with her egg, and a baby began to result in nine months. It's the same way he talks to us. Because the Holy Spirit comes to you and I, hovers over us, or as a matter of fact, He's in us, begin to speak to us uh, spiritually, but He wants us to produce it in the natural. It's one thing for you to say, well, God has spoken to me, and you bring it forth in the Spirit. Well, I built it in the Spirit, and if you have eyes to see, you will see it. It's another thing to say, God has spoken to me spiritually, just like He did to Mary, and He wants me to produce what He spoke to me physically. So there's a challenge. How do we get from God has impregnated me with a vision to manifesting it? That's what I want to talk about this morning, if I can. Let me see if I can find the word. The second thing that I wanted to talk to you all about, the second message I wanted to preach, and I could have, I could have preached on Mary for a whole morning because it's such a tremendous, you know, it's such a tremendous truth when you understand what took place with Mary. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a slew, there's a, a range of things that we could pull from that because even though God had spoken to her, she's now impregnated with this holy seed there are no points of reference. She don't know if she'll bring forth a demon. She have no idea what's going to pop out. Because for all she know, knew before then was a sperm meeting an egg, two human beings. It produced something looking like that. But here it is now. I'm pregnant with Holy Spirit who I've never seen. I don't know what he looks like. 
I've seen angels manifesting as men, but I'm pregnant with a being that I've never seen. And something is going to come out of me. Something is going to pop out of me. I'm really not sure what it's going to look like. And how do I raise it? So there's a whole range of stuff going on on the inside of her. She was a young lady, a young girl. And there was nothing special about her. And so here, here that, that dynamic at work, how do I do this? But the challenge is that she has to contend with a whole slew of people. Trying to convince them that what she's carrying is holy. Not only that, but word gets out and the demons begin to realize something significant is taking place. Now they want to kill this baby boy. An edict was sent out. Because think about it for a while. I don't know why I'm going there, but think about it for a while. For Jesus to be born, it would seem cruel. But for Jesus to be born, hundreds of other young babies were slaughtered. Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't he send his angels to stop Herod and his bunch of weirdos from killing every little boy beneath a certain age? Why? Only for Jesus to be born. So my thing is that at what expense is what God has given to you and I what expense is being realized? When we really connect to the purpose of God, when we, when we really say like Mary, when God has spoken to you and spoken to me, and we say, God, be it unto me according to your word, what are some of the dynamics taking place for this word to come to pass? And it's one thing to say, be it unto me according to thy word, but then she still has to have heirs of the spirit to hear, you know what, take your child down into Egypt, because if you go down into Egypt, you'll be safe, because there's, a, there's an edict that has gone out to kill all the baby boys. Egypt? But I'm not going back to Egypt because I've read my records. Egypt wasn't nice to us. So I'm not going down to Egypt. But you have to, they have to be keen and know this is the voice of God. The same way the angels spoke to me. This God now talking to me. I'm going to go down into Egypt. But not only go down into Egypt. They have no clue that they're bringing forth the Messiah. And the, and, and, and the, the Old Testament prophet says, Out of Nazareth he shall be called a Nazarene. So here it is. Uh, Herod is now dead. And they say, Well, good. Things safe. Come out of Egypt. For lo, out of Egypt I've called my son. Come out of Egypt. And they're coming out of Egypt now to go back to their place. And then they get word. Herod's son is now in power. He might be worse than his dad. So you know what? Let's go down into Nazareth. So that it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophet, he shall be called in Nazarene. And we could go on and on from there. But but the challenge for me is how do we move from hearing the word of God and going through all that it takes for that word to come to pass? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The process that we go through. And if I had to title this message, I will will title it, Process is Not Punishment. Process is not punishment. Because if if we don't understand that with every dabar, every word that comes from God, there is a spoken or unspoken process that we have to go through in order for it to be fulfilled. And a lot of times... 
the process is what the problem is. We can't deal with the process. We love the word. It sounds good. Be it unto me according to your word. And if Mary had stopped there, it would have been fine. But then Mary had to face her family. She had to face the enemy. She had to face conflicts. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was about to be born, she was traveling to go to register. First time the whole world was being registered. She had to travel to go and register. Her belly is big. To the point that when the time came for the infant to be born, there was no room anywhere under normal circumstances where babies are born. No room in any inn anywhere. She had to go and hide it out in a stable for him to be born. You and I would have had serious problems, especially North Americans. We'd have had serious problems even considering to go into an outhouse to have a baby born. Now, process is a very interesting topic. Anytime you start talking about process and you really begin to go into process, people turn off. So I want to ask you today, don't switch me off. At the end of it, it's going to be good. Don't switch off. Don't check out, okay? Because process is a very difficult thing to talk about, but it's a necessary thing to talk about. You all have heading into your eighth year, and you're talking about new beginnings. But with every new beginning come new processes, or new processes, if you want to put it that way. There's something that God wants accomplished, but we've got to go through the process. Now, 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 now let, 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 let me say that the truth is, not everything in life, we must go through a process to learn. So let me clarify that. For example, you don't need to be in a car accident to know what a car accident feels like. It's okay. Take it from somebody else who has been in a car accident and accept the fact. You, 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 don't, have to, you don't have to put your hand on a hot stove to feel like, to, to, to understand what it's like to get burnt. Take it from someone else. You don't need to go through that process to learn what being burnt feels like. So there's some things that you don't need processing. You just take, you, you just take the, the, the counsel of others. Amen? For example, you don't need to lower your morals and have sex before marriage simply because you want to understand how sex feels before you get married. Take it from your parents. It's good. Oh, we got kids here. Sorry about that. I'll pull back. You know, you know, I, you know I'm thinking I'm home. And, and, and this time our kids are in another room. Two doors down. So sorry about that. It's something that kids don't need to hear at a certain age. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Tell them the baby comes from the moon. Or the stalk drop it or something. Don't tell your baby those. Don't, don't tell your kids those lies. Amen. I'm fine either way. <laughs> oh, I know Canadians are not easy to preach to. They're not easy to preach to. You know, Canadians will sit down and they'll watch you like, and they're, they're receiving. None of they're not receiving. They're receiving, but they'll watch you like straight on. Eh. <laughs> So we got to make sure that we... <laughs> However, while there are some things that we do not need to be processed for to understand, there are some that we do need to be processed for. And so the, the, the issue is, 
we know that process will come in one form or another. The question then becomes, what is process? And for what purpose is it necessary? What is process? And for what purpose is it necessary? Now let me give you a, a, a general dictionary definition of the word process. It's defined in the general dictionary as a system of operations in the production of something. A system of operations in the production of something. A series of actions, changes, or functions that bring about an end or a result. A course or passage of time ongoing movement and progression. Let me give you the dictionary definition. This is a general dictionary definition. It means a system of operations in the production of something. A series of actions, changes, or functions that bring about an end or a result. It's a course or passage of time, ongoing movement and progression. Another set of definition reads like this. To put through the steps of a prescribed procedure, to put through the steps of a prescribed procedure to prepare, treat, or convert something by subjecting it to some process. For an example, how many of you know corned beef? Corned beef. You know where you get corned beef. Corned beef is a cow in a tin. But it has gone through a process. So you take the cow and you kill it and you take it through a grinding process and at the end of the process you bring out corned beef so that everybody can eat it. Well similarly, God wants to take you and I through a process so at the end of the day we could be food to the nations. For example, wine. In order to make wine, wine goes through a process. We just go to the, to the grocery store or to the, to the uh, supermarket or wherever we buy wine. We buy a bottle of wine and we drink. But that bottle of wine that we have in our hand, well, we don't, I don't drink wine. But I don't, I don't know if anybody here drinks wine. That's not the issue. But you go and get your wine. The wine is grapes in a bottle that went through a process. Okay? So you take the grapes. Instead of eating it, you took the grapes and you took it through a process called fermentation or whatever it is. And at the end of the process... Wine comes out that can make you glad and merry. <laughs> now, every process with God takes you to a point in time and a place where after you have gone through your process, He's going to make a presentation. Because with God, He's not going to take us through processes and at the end of it all, just put us in a dark room somewhere. At the end of every process, He's going to make a presentation. There's something that God is processing you for. You can't be living in the earth and you can't be a child of God and going through processes and at the end of the day, that's it. God is going to bring something out of it. It's going to benefit you and it's going to benefit those that he's sending you to. So that's important. For example, in my life, I've gone through so many processes from the day I got saved. And sometimes it's good to... to I'm right now in a process. 2013 has been one of the most difficult years that I have ever lived on planet Earth. And I'm 55 years. So that's saying a lot. It has been one of the most difficult years. And you know what keeps me? 
two things keep me. One or three things maybe. One is that I have prophetic words in it. God has spoken through the mouth of several prophets that don't even know that this would have happened. So I have those words and, and I have what he wants to bring out of it. But two, I have experience. When I say I have experience, I could look back and track with God and see that every time that I've gone through a difficult sequence of processes, at the end of it is always something good. It's always something wonderful on the other side. At the end of every wilderness, there is a Canaan. <laughs> and so you, 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 you go through the process sometimes. Yeah, you, you have your ups and down days. You understand? You have your highs and your lows. But what drives you that you know what? You know, God is faithful. And at the end of this process, while I can't determine the end, He knows the end from the beginning. While I can't determine the end, my function is to live through the process with joy. And ask him to work in me what needs to be worked in and worked out so that when I come out of this process and he begins to present me, I look good. So that keeps me. And the third thing that keeps me is just my downright love for him. This morning I was up on the mountain and you know what my conversation was? The thought was, I was meditating upon this. You say you love God. But how do you know? How are you sure you really love him? Not what he can do or what he can give you. How are you sure that you love him? Good point. Keep his word. But you know what came to me? The definition that came to me was this. When you get rid of everything and everybody in your life and all you remain with is him, could you look him in the eye and say, I love you? If you can do that, then you truly love God. Let me say it again. When everything is gone, when you can take everything away, because there are blessings to serving God. Talk to me. There are blessings to serving Him. But when you can take all of that away, you can take all your relationships away. That's why God loved Job so much. When, the, when you can take all of that away, and then you can settle down, you can face God, and look Him in the eye and say, God, you know what? I still love you. Even if you slay me, I still love you. Then you know you're really in love with him. Amen? And it's not for what he can do for you or what he can give you. Amen? Hallelujah. How much time do I have? 55. Thank you so much. So I went through a lot of processes in my life. And I can just give you a few of them. If, if, if you can. Some of you may be able to identify with some. Some of you all may not be able to identify with some. When I got saved, my process began. Because I, I was threatened by my dad. The dad that I grew up with. I was threatened by my father when I tried to give the gospel to him. When I tried to present the gospel to him. He threatened to kill me. And I kid you not. He told me, say, if you ever come back here with that, you will end up six feet underground and I'll end up in the madhouse, in the asylum. I had to contend with that. I had to pray through that. I had to fight through that. I had to walk through that, war through that. Until God brought me to the point where after I'd gone through my process, I came to the point where I was able to see my dad look me in the eyes. After 18 years of processing, my dad was able to look me in the eye and told me, son, I now know what you're telling me the truth. 
And within two hours of him telling me that, he was dead. I lived to see that. As a young married man, I got married at a young age. I was a supervisor on a project in my home nation. And I got saved and I'm just, I'm just, I'm saved. I'm completely saved. I used to, I used to smoke uh, a pack of cigarettes, 20 cigarettes a day. I used to drink. When I got saved, I kid you not, it cut. I mean, like nobody told me. Yesterday I was smoking and drinking. Today I'm not. I never, and just went through whole. I've never put a cigarette back in my mouth for 30 something years. Just cut. And so that zeal, I went into salvation with that zeal. And I, I was on my job and I want to preach to everybody. I want to tell everybody about Jesus. So when I had a break time, we had 15 minutes break every morning. When I got my break time, I'm going to spend the time raising up some kind of contention on the job I'm looking to preach. My boss came and saw me doing that and suspended me. He had the spirit of Antichrist upon him because that was my time. It wasn't the company's time. He suspended me. I was slapped in front of an office of 14 women three young men working. And this guy came into the office. I don't know if he was high on drugs or whatever. He, he, and I mean, I'm working there for what? Pretty much 10 years or so. We've been working together for long. And he just came to work one day. And everybody knew that I was a Christian. Because I'm going to preach to the whole company. My lunch hours, I'll go upstairs in the cafeteria. And here's what we used to do. I and another guy will eat very quickly. And then we're going to preach because you have to sit down and listen to us because you're eating. What are you going to do? Get up and run out of the cafeteria? I mean, you, you've got to listen because you're sitting down to have your lunch and we'll preach. And this dude, he came to office one morning. I don't know if he was high. Walked up to me, slapped me in my face and told me, you have to take that you're a Christian. You talk about processing? So I had to go into the men's bathroom and sat down and I began to cry. And Holy Ghost said to me, you wimp, get up, go outside and deal with it. So I had to get up, I had to go outside, I had to deal with him. I was kicked out of ministries because of strange doctrine. I always loved purity of the word. And, 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 and one of the churches that I was involved in, as a matter of fact, I was the associate pastor. And the, and the pastor went to the United States and came back with a funny doctrine. I don't know if you all know about that one where everybody has a demon. And you challenge every demon and you're coughing and you're vomiting. And I'm running around everywhere with a bucket trying to catch people's vomit. And I, I'm just a faithful servant. Until Holy Ghost began to jack me up and tell me that's just wrong. And when I confronted him in front of everybody, he ran me out of the church, processing. And I had to leave and not become bitter. I was publicly embarrassed before 500 people, one of my other leaders, publicly embarrassed me because I was trying to get him to do something that was, what he was doing, I knew he wasn't conscious of it. But it was offending everybody else. It, but not offending in a bad way in a sense that uh, uh, what he was trying to get across wasn't being uh, portrayed because he was missing something. And I'm trying to identify him what he's missing. And he rebuked me in front of the whole international conference. If the earth could have opened up and swallowed me, I, I would pray God it did. And I had to walk away from that and meet him the next week and not be bitter. Look him in the eye and talk to him. Right here in Canada. I was kicked out. I had to walk away from a major group because one of the leaders fell in sin and I refused to cover it up. They wanted everybody to cover it up. And I said, no. This is not a member in the church. If it's a member in my church or a member in your church, fine. But this is a national leader. This is someone who everybody's looking at. That person needs to go and repent. Needs to go and make right. Not for us to just cover it up. 
So I went through all kinds of processes and every single one on the other side of it, God always turned up with something significant and something major and something good. Amen? And so the list can go on and on and on. But that's not what I'm here for this morning. There are times when we go through these processes. And I want to give you about 12 different dimensions or 12 different P's. I call them P's that you will go through before God presents you. And everybody process differ. Not everybody goes through the same process. You don't have to go through what I go through in order to become a man or woman of God. But by the same token, you will have some form of process. Let me give you a quick example. You have Peter and you have Paul. Peter walked with Jesus. So his process was different than Paul who didn't walk Saul before he was Paul. Because remember, Saul was cast down off his horse on the road to Damascus, became blind, was taken into the Arabian desert. Peter didn't have to go through that. Because Peter knew the Christ. He walked with him for how many years. So the processes are different. But at the end of the day, both ended up being apostles of the Most High God. So your process might be different, but the end result is the same. So God has a tailor-made process for every single one of us. And so I believe that there are some P's, uh, the best way to put it, that we can all tap into and understand as we go through our processes. Number one, the first P, I believe, is the, the, the understanding of predestination or being predestined. Now that's a huge subject. Not only is it a huge subject, it's a controversial one. But let me just spend five minutes just to try to clarify it. Once you and I are born again, we have been predestined to a particular thing. Predestination doesn't start with us. Predestination starts with him. Now, the word pre means before, and destined means destiny. So that every single person that comes into this planet, you are not born, and then God is trying to decide why did this person come upon the planet. No, it's the other way around. There's something to be done, there's something to be fulfilled, and that's the reason why you came. So God foreordained Michael Scantlebury to do this. And at a particular time in space, he says now is the time for him to arrive in the earth. Because Mr. Scantlebury and Mrs. Scantlebury has come together finally. They have connected with one another. Now is the time for him to come. And so when he is born into the earth, he is born to fulfill that. So there is a pre-destiny. I didn't come as an accident. As a matter of fact, you know, our, our second daughter, she was born when we thought we were going to get a son. So we had a daughter. God spoke to me, I'm going to give you a son. I clear as day. So I went home and worked on it. And we worked on it, and we produced this infant. And we were convinced it was a boy. And lo and behold, a girl is born. She turned out to be one of our greatest treasures. She's a tremendous help to us. And after her, my wife got pregnant with our son, and we had no clue 
how she got pregnant, when she got pregnant. All we knew is that, wait a minute, something's happening here. And we realized she was pregnant. But the, the, the issue was, Rachel's life is full with so much destiny because you know what we teach them? Out of million, you understand how a baby is born? Million, not a million, millions with an S sperms are released from the man. And there is a mad race. There is a rush. There is a race. Oh, I wish I could talk this much. Because too much kids. You, you understand? This, this thing comes out like a gun. All you adults, all you, all you fathers, you understand what I'm talking It comes out like a, like a, like out of a pistol. Like a starting gun. This thing comes out. And a race is on. Trying to see who could get to that egg first. And to think about it, that you won that race in a million. Every single human being that is born is a winner. You were born a winner from the very day one. In order to arrive here, you have to compete with millions of others who are trying to come out. Oh, that just blesses me. And so you were predestined. God had foreordained. That when Mr. Scantleberry and Mrs. Scantleberry meet, and that particular night or day when they came together, and those millions of pounds were released, I won the race. Why? Because before the earth was created, God had long already summoned and decreed and declared that this day would come and I would arrive on the planet for a specific function. So one of the greatest things that I could ever do in life is to find my purpose in Him. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Let me get some Bible on this. Oh. So we were pre- Destined, meaning that before we were born, a destiny was already established for us. So we don't arrive to our destiny by accident. I didn't come in to be a minister, a preacher by accident. A set of circumstances were foreordained. And you know what I love about God? When you think that God has only one plan, He has several roads <laughs> to the same destiny. If you think you could short circuit God, you can't. You can't show it to him. He will have what he wants. Romans chapter 8 proves that to us. Look at Romans chapter 8. So number one, the first P that we need in terms of processing is predestination. If we don't grasp this, we get messed up along the way. Hear what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are, number one, called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. You could twist that how you want. You could spin it how you want. The Bible is clear. And we know that all things, not some things, all things work together for good. But for who? Not for everybody. 
It works together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So once you are born again, once you give your heart to Jesus, once you come into the family of God, nothing works against you. There is nothing that the enemy can throw away that works against us. Because the Bible says not some things, but all things work together for my good. So at the end of the day, when all is said and done, no matter what process you and I go through, we are destined to fulfill the will of God. I don't know how else, you know, because this is such a broad subject. And, and, and people get all bent out of shape. Here's what I'm telling you. Can we backslide? Yeah, I believe people can backslide. But I don't believe that a person backslide just willy-nilly. Sometimes we are so scared of backsliding or so scared of being cut off from God that we refuse to let Him do what He wants to do in our lives. We short-circuit Him. Let me give you a case in point. Let me give you an example, a fitting example. I wish I could pull one out of the hat. Let's use a simple one. Oh, so you want that Mercedes Benz, okay? You've been believing for this Mercedes Benz. I mean, my God, I mean, that's the car you dream. You've been believing God for this car. Uh, but you have a word from God that you would get it debt free. Not only do you have a word from God that you would get the, the Mercedes Benz debt free, you also have an inner witness, your own desire. I want to get a Mercedes-Benz, but I want to have it debt-free. I want to be able to drive that car and do not have to pay a bank loan for it. And so, things are going good. You're working hard. You're saving your money. You believe in God. You're tithing. You're giving. You're doing everything that's necessary. You believe in God for the Mercedes-Benz. But, 2013 arrive and you, you're telling yourself, you know what? I've been tracking this Mercedes-Benz now for the last six, seven years. And you see the 2013 model? Boy. Dang. That's the model I want. Not only that, but you set yourself up because you now put a time on it. You say, well, at the end of 2013, I'm going to get that Mercedes-Benz, that particular model. My jeez, I don't think they could ever make another model. Like they have all the bells, the whistles, and even a little extra. So I'm going I'm, I'm to believe God real hard for that Mercedes-Benz. And so now you, 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 you're beginning to calculate in your own strength that if I continue the way I'm going here, it ain't going to happen at the end of 2013. So you know what? I'm going to hold back on my tights. I'll hold back on this. I'll hold back on this area. Just put into the car. And now you're heading down to December. You're in December month. Mercedes is not here as yet. And bang, of all of a sudden, the company that you want to buy it from, there's a sale on. Hello? And now they're giving you the car. And here's the deal. We'll give you this car. And we'll loan you the money. And for one year, we'll be interest free. Perfect. For one year, interest-free, and we're giving you up to five years to pay it off. So if you can pay it off in the first year, 
interest free, no penalty. Guess what? You decide, well, you know what? This sounds too good to be true. And even though I was believing God to buy this car, debt free, and I have prophetic words in it, I have the inner witness, I can't wait. This is the car I want. You go and you take the loan out. Guess what happens after that? You take the loan out, and the first year, talk to me, you get it interest-free, believing God to pay it off because you have the faith, but the first year expire, and your faith wasn't good enough, you didn't pay it off. And now you're hooked with a loan. And so what happens to you? You're completely destroyed. You're literally crushed. You're literally broken. And even in that, God could pick you up and get you going again. So, understand something. When we talk about predestined here, the issue is not us, the issue is him. And if God says, Michael's Canterbury is to do this, trust me, no matter what happens, God is going to ensure that at the end of the day, I'm going to find that place in him. Is that making sense? So, number one, we are called, we are justified, and at the end of it all, he calls us, we go through a process, we are justified because a lot of people looking at you because the one who decides, well, you know what, I'm going to wait until I get the money to buy the car. You go through hell and high water. People laugh at you, they scorn at you, they mock you because you're making all kinds of sacrifice. But at the end of the process, what happens? You're now driving out. This is the other guy. You're now driving out with your Mercedes Benz, completely paid off for. God justifies you and then he glorifies you. You know one of the greatest, one of the greatest feelings in the world is vindication. When you stand up for what you know is right. When God has spoken a dabar to you. When God has spoken a word to you. When the Spirit of God has come and interacted with you and said, this is what I want you to do. And when you begin to uh, voice that to people, they laugh you to scorn. And they start to tell you no way that that could ever happen. No way could you ever bring forth a child without knowing a man. There's no way under God's green earth this could ever happen, Mary. You're lying. This is not, a, this is not true. This didn't happen. And when you go through the process, <laughs> you know how good Mary felt? You know how good Mary felt the day of the wedding feast in Canaan? You, you, you remember that wedding in Canaan? <laughs> you know how good she felt? She might be sticking to them. I mean, you know, you know, you know, you, 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 you understand how I'm coming from? You know what it's like for this baby that everybody thought, well, you know, you messed up. Here this baby came forth. He's grown up into a man. And now he's stepping into a wedding feast. And the wine runs out. <laughs> and bang, he turns water into wine. You know how she maybe have felt? I told you so. This guy is special. This boy is special. Oh, forget it. So in the, at the end of the day, the Bible says this, and let me read that again for you. Let me, and we know, we all know this, that all things work together for good, but it's to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Question, do you love God? Yeah. Are you called according to His purpose or your purpose? Because remember, it's not my purpose, it's His purpose. If I'm called according to His purpose... There's a reason why God have Acts 29 here. There's a reason why he joined you to this house. Not for your purpose, but for his purpose. The question is, do you know what it is? Because once you know that, you know what the Bible says? People stumble all over themselves when they can't see what God is doing. 
But when it is revealed, when they know it, when they can see it, when they can understand, blessed are you. It is always happy when you know what God has assigned you to do. And sometimes as leaders, we get frustrated. I know this doesn't happen to, to Pastor Jacob. He's just a good, good guy. I mean, he's just a right dude. He's a happy... He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really good man. I mean, so that really doesn't happen. Everybody loves him. So everybody understands off the bat exactly what he, what he has been assigned to do. And, and you're all happy to just run with him. Guess what? It doesn't always happen that way. So cherish what you have. The second P I want to look at is prayer. So number one, you're predestined. You're not here by accident. Nothing about your life and my life is an accident. God knows exactly how to hook you up, who to connect you with. How, I mean, there's, 20 years ago, but 17 years ago, I didn't know there was a guy called Jacob John living in Canada that migrated from India. I had no clue of a guy like this. If God had put me to sit down in Trinidad 17 years ago and told me that I would have met someone like this and we would have tracked for 16, 17 years, I might have said, well, be it unto me according to thy word, but really, I would have had no clue. And there are certain things that happen in your life and my life, we never even planned it. Sometimes we sit down and we wonder, how did I end up here? And the only thing that keeps us is because you realize, wait a minute, I love God, I'm called according to His purpose, and He must be working this out. And because of that, you'll be confident. Otherwise, you try to figure out, how did I arrive here? Number two, Habakkuk chapter two. Prayer is vital. If we are to go through these processes, prayer is absolutely vital. Number one, you predestine, you understand, wait a minute. What I'm involved in, what God has called me to do, he knew that before the foundation of the world, I'm not trying something. I'm in his will. I'm in his predetermined will. You know, it's like it's like the chair. I can't get off that point. It's like the chair. When the guy when the guy before there was something called a chair, somebody sat down and that idea hit them and they decided I'm gonna make something for people to sit on. And so before the chair came from out because this was nothing at one point in time. Before it was something, it was nothing. Somebody get into the, into the spirit dimensions, understood it, saw it, and decided, I'm going to bring it. Somebody don't make something, like a chair, and then decide, I wonder what to do with this. <laughs> you know, I, this thing pop out of me, and, and, and I, th- it doesn't work that way. Something will just pop out of you, and I, well, you know, it just pop out. I'm I really not, not sure what to call it. I, I don't know what, no, no, no. What happens before it comes out... The purpose is known. The blueprint is given. The idea is received. And out of the idea, out of the blueprint, out of that unseen dimension, you begin to work on this thing until it comes forth. So like somebody looking at you making this thing that don't have any idea of what you're doing, you're trying to explain it to them, but you can't because there's no point of reference. And sometimes local churches are like that. Oh, I'm talking to someone here. Sometimes local churches are like that. And the problem we have is this. Here the issue we have. Sometimes God may choose to bring people our way 
that has been assigned or has been brought up under another construction site. And when they come on this scene, they're trying to make something that resembles what they came from. And not realizing that God has given me a specific vision to build something that is unique. And we're living in an age and a time where everybody wants a point of reference. But my point of reference is God. My point of reference is the Spirit of God has spoken to me. The Spirit of God has hovered over me. I was looking after Him and talking to Him. I was in prayer when God began to speak into my spirit. And I knew something happened inside of me. And I'm trying to bring this thing forward. And so prayer is vital. I'll never come into the purpose of God if I'm not a man or woman of prayer. I've got to be seeking Him because it's not my will. It's according to your will. This is why Jesus, when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and when He came to the point of the cross, when He came to the point of the crucifixion, and He began to pray and intercede, and the Bible said blood began to ooze out of Him. He said, God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Because for a brief moment, I want to save my life. This is not right. It's not in order. But then he realized, no, no, no. This is not my will. This is not my purpose. I didn't come into the earth to do my will. I came into the earth with the express purpose of doing your will. So not my will, but thy will be done. And he went to the cross. So sometimes we have to understand, wait a minute. Not only am I predestined. Jesus was predestined. He came into the earth to die. So it would have been a tragedy if he had decided in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's it. My fame has spread all through the earth. <laughs> I'm living here. <laughs> I'm living here. I realize what power I have. I'm not living here. But he understood that everything that he was and would ever be hinged Father's will. It's not my destiny. It's his destiny. It's his purpose. He predestined me to do it. The second thing that we have to be people of prayer. Habakkuk chapter 2. I can't finish this trick. Yeah, I can't. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. You understand how how the word of the Lord works? One second. You understand how the word of the Lord works? When God when God speaks a word. I know, I know, I know this house. I know, I know, I know your senior leader. I know him. He's very prophetic. He's very prophetic in nature. But, but do we understand how the word of the Lord works? When, 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 when the word of the Lord comes into the earth, how it operates, how it works, how, how, it, how it gets from the voice of the Lord to the thing that was spoken coming to pass. There's a real war, there's a real battle, there's a real warfare. Let me take five minutes just to share on that, and I'm going to stop. I, 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 I promise you I'll come back at some other time and I'll finish 
finish this message. I think it's an important word for you because that there, 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 there are some processes that you'll go through in 2014 because God has already determined certain things about you and about this house. And so it's always good to begin the year with a full understanding of, wait a minute, you know, God wants to take us somewhere, but there are certain processes involved. Because if I don't know that there are going to be processes, then I'll faint. You could twist it how you want, you could turn it how you want. You see, you know, my wife and I we were talking this morning early, we were just lying on talking. And, and that was one of the things that we were identifying to be so true. Isn't it interesting that under pressure that has been determined by God, as a matter of fact, whether it was pressure that God ordained for your life or whether it's the devil that is pressing you, those are the times you get real close to God. Interesting, eh? Oh, you get so close to him. He's your most intimate friend. And then when you get out of that pressure, that vice grip, that pressure, pressure cooker, all of a sudden, you begin to distance yourself from him. You begin to distance. And you know, somehow we don't learn the lesson. We distance ourselves from him because now we've got it. The thing that we were believing for, man, we got it. Things are nice. I mean, everything's going smooth. Only for him... They have to come and do it all over again to teach us. And you know what I do ever want in my life? I don't mind the pressure. Because I understand pressure comes to the territory. The kind of pressure I don't want to endure is the wilderness kind of pressure. Where I'm going around in a circle because I don't understand what God is doing. And because, hear me, going around in a circle sometimes is the mercy of God that allows you to go around in a circle for 40 years. You just don't say that is God's mercy and His grace because you could have been completely cut off, destroyed. Are you with me? You, you could have been completely gone, dead, finished. But because of because He's so long suffering, he, he He has a predestined with. I want them to come into it, and I'm stretching myself. I, I could I could get on other people if I want to, but I'm stretching myself out so that they can come into it. So sometimes we have to understand the the the, the fight. That, is, that takes place. Now the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. We all know that scripture. From the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay a hold of it. The New King James Version put it this way. From the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Now. One thing that I've been looking into is the whole, the, 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 the whole science of physics. I was looking into the whole science of physics and trying to understand because here I'm wired this way. I thrive on understanding. So it's one thing for, for me to come and say, God said. It's one thing for me to prophesy the word of the Lord. It's a whole different story for that word to live and come to pass. And so my thing has always been, how do we, what is the dynamic that takes place when God has spoken a word? There's nothing. There's, there's darkness. There's nothing. And he says, let there be light. And bing, light comes. What transpires? What takes place? Because, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we try it and it don't work. So what's the dynamic that is taking place in the background? What is happening? What is going on? What do I need to understand? So when I, when I, when I make a forceful proclamation, like God, it comes to pass.
give me five minutes. Let me just quickly tie in the whole action of what I call kinetics into this whole uh, 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 process. Because I believe that's a dimension of the process that we need to connect with and draw from out. I really hope you're getting something from it. Because I am Rosi Rabababakrondeki. Now the study of kinetics is this. It's the study of motion and its causes. Motion and its causes. Let me give you an example. When you take a rock and you throw it into the water, what happens? The force that the rock came with, it, in order for it to land in the water and survive, it has to displace some of the water that is there and it's going to take the place of the water. That making sense? Okay. Was it Isaac Newton that says this? Let me, let me, let me read it so I don't, I don't miss it. Okay. The law of motion. Isaac Newton's first law of motion was this was An object at rest tends to stay at rest. But an object in motion tends to stay in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Let me say that again. So this is very interesting as to how the prophetic word works. A body that is in, left in motion, what? It stay, I mean, left uh, at rest tends to stay at rest. So the chair is at rest. The chair is at rest. If nothing happens, that chair will remain at rest. So you, God has a tendency of seeking, in order for him to use us, he has to get us from being at rest. Because here's what happened. The longer you remain at rest, the more comfortable you become. Inactivity steps in. Inertia steps in. Sleep steps in. Slumber steps in. And eventually death takes place. So in order for God to get what he wants done... The kingdom of God is advanced how? Forcibly. It's not advanced calmly. It's not advanced in rest. It has advanced forcefully. So Isaac Newton says, a body that is in, that is at rest tends to stay at rest and an object in motion tends to stay in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an imbalanced force. How would this chair move? This chair can only move if another object impacts with it. But look at something. I'm another object. If I impact with it like this, that's how some believers are. When I advance in the kingdom, well, here you are, eh? But the Bible says the kingdom of God, what? Talk to me. The Bible says the kingdom of God is forcefully. I'm going to talk about force. It is forcefully advancing. So when the word of the Lord comes, the word of the Lord never comes. Move. Move. How did the kingdom come into the earth? Daniel saw it. It was a little rock, talk to me, that was cut out of a mountain, and what it did, with the force, 
it collided with the systems of this earth and crumbled them. So, this chair or the kingdom could only advance forcibly. So what has to happen is that I have to come with a force. I've got to push it. And so when we understand the, the prophetic word or the, the bow of the Lord, that is what it's coming to do. The prophetic word of God don't locate us in some little nancy pansy little. It comes with force. When God speaks, he speaks with force. He's giving us the ability to produce what it says. Let there be lights. And light just burst the darkness open. Now that word force, let me don't destroy your chair. As it was in the beginning. The word force, it means to push or pull an object resulting in an interaction with that object. You can't have force if there is not a colliding of two systems. Here's the problem we're having. Here's the problem we're having in the church today. The problem we're having in the church today is that we are finding ourselves in a maintenance mode. The church was never designed to be a... The church was never designed to be insular. The church was designed by God to interact with the systems of this world. But we have become a maintenance group. That making sense. Oh. Quickly, tell me meet Isaiah chapter 55. How many of you here still waiting on some words from God to come to pass? Could I encourage you to get aggressive? Could I get could I get encouragement from you that you would get aggressive with that word? Aggressively believe that word? Begin to cause that word to come into action. Some words from God are dormant because we have laid them dormant. And unless we begin to pick them up with a, with a certain level of aggression, with a certain level of tenacity, with a... It's like my wife. That woman is one of the greatest women that I've ever known. And I'm telling you, she, 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 she is a, a tough cookie. And she's on a particular trip right now. She believes that God has spoken to her. We read these scriptures that says the wealth of this, the wicked is later for the righteous. Not only that, but we also read about the wealth that is in secret and dark places that God could give it. He did it for Cyrus. He did it for Cyrus. So that means that if there were wealth in dark places in Cyrus' time that God could have extracted to build his temple, then guess what? There's still wealth in dark places that we could access. How do we access it? Number one, we need to find out where the dark places are. Number two, we need to know how to extract that wealth out. Because in everything, there's a lawful fighting. Even though the wealth is in a dark place, that doesn't mean to say that we have to become a bandit to go in and take it. We have to find a legal way to get it out. And my wife has been on a track 
she loved computers and she loved she loved she loved uh, uh, that kind of technology and she's tapped into something and she's been going at this now for ooh, about nine years and once she cracks that and I really believe that she would you're talking about millions of dollars Everybody getting sleepy on me. I'm going to have to finish this stuff. Even under the clothes, I don't know where this guy is going. What is he talking about? She has got, she has tapped into a dark place and she has seen the money. And I'm telling you something. I try to discourage her and she will not be discouraged. She believes with all her heart that God is giving her light to crack that dark. Now, I'm going to tell you what the system is until we get, actually get the money. But once I commit a few million dollars, brother. <laughs> You see, you're all looking at me like Mary. <laughs> ah, I started off this message by talking about Mary being pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And never happened before. Well, my wife is pregnant with something I don't know if it, I've never heard anybody. In all my life, I've never heard anybody decide that they can crack that system. And the only thing I go on is her determination not just determination, dedication sometimes my wife could work from 9 in the morning till 5, 6, 7 sometimes 10 at night in that system and she's tracking it and tracking it and tracking it and tracking it and she's all excited, I'm seeing it I'm seeing the trail the enemy has left some breadcrumbs and I'm finding them <laughs> oh let me just behave myself <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, you know, you know something? You know what's going to be funny? You know what's going to be absolutely funny? I'm here with my crazy self, taking such liberty in, 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 in Pastor Jacob's church to get on like a wild man, and he's, he's encouraging me to do that. <laughs> if at the end of this month, this whole thing comes to pass, wouldn't it be funny? And I'm walking back here in Acts 29 with a check for about $500,000. And I'm telling him, look, hold this. That was because you supported me in my crazy activity when I was at your place. <laughs> All you doubters. <laughs> too, many, too, many, too many doubters here. There's just, just too many doubters. Jacob, you know, we, if two agree as touching anything, it's going to be done. And that, I'm going to give you that $500,000, none for Acts 29. That's for you. Thank you. That's for you. Don't tell them, you know, he gave it to, to Axel, and I know, that was for you. <laughs> All you doubters. You all wouldn't himself say, well, you know what? Yes, brother, preach it. No, you know. Acts, uh, Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to finish right here. I'm just going to talk about this, and I'm going to finish. So my encouragement to you as you go into 2014, as you, as you, as you, as you build into your eighth year, there's some prophetic words that are yet still to pass. There are things that are yet to come to pass. And I really sense the Lord is saying that uh, 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 take it up again with an aggression. Go back to some of the things that God has spoken to you and, and take them again with an aggression and say, you know what? God has spoken it. It's going to have to come to pass. So I'll press through. I'll be tenacious. I'll, I'll push through. Hear what it says in the Young's translation. Isaiah 55 verse 11. I want to read it from the Young's translation, but I also want to read it from the, um, from the, the Amplified version. It says, So is my word... That goeth out of my mouth, it turneth not back unto me empty or void, but it had done that which I desired, and prosperously effected that for which I sent it. 
the Amplified Bible says, So shall my word, and it put in brackets, the dabar, it means to speak, declare, converse, command, promise, warn, threaten, sing, be that goes out from, that means to go out, come out, exit, go forth, go forth to a place, go forward, proceed to or towards something, to come out or go forth with purpose or with a result. Out of my mouth it shall not return to me empty. That means void, vainly, in an empty condition. But it shall accomplish, that means to do, fashion, make, to do, work, produce, effect, act with effect, to produce, to acquire property, to appoint, ordain, institute, to bring about, to be done, that which I purpose. That word purpose means please, to delight in, take pleasure in, desire, to be desired with and shall succeed. That word succeed in the in, 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 in the Hebrew means to rush, to advance, to prosper, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable, to make prosperous, to bring to a successful issue cause to prosper in the thing for which I sent it to. When you read it from the Amplified, it, 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 it makes it so full that when God has spoken something, when that dabao goes out of his mouth, it has the ability, it has the power. But something takes place when it leaves his mouth. It doesn't leave his mouth and then dud. When it leaves his mouth, it leaves with a momentum. It leaves with a push. It leaves with a force. And it's, 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 like, it's, like, it's like those tracking missiles. It's tracking down what it has said will come to pass. So if God says, I'm going to prosper you in 2014, and that word leaves God's mouth, prosperity is tracking you down. It's like a homing missile. Everywhere you go, it's coming after you. It's running after you. If you speed up, it's going to speed up until it catches you. It's not going to leave God's mouth and dud. Okay, let me give you some examples and I'm going to close. You remember the fall of Jericho? The Lord gave, the Lord told them that they're going to storm and take it. And the Lord gave Joshua the battle plan. What did he tell them to do? He says, listen, you're going to march around Jericho. How many times? Seven times? Six times? And on the seventh time when you march, I want this word to be accomplished. You begin to shout. And as you begin to shout, this word, literally what the word did, as they begin to obey the word of the Lord and they begin to shout, that word came out and it began to literally ram the whole of the walls of Jericho down into the ground. Forcefully it advanced. This wasn't a case where it was something. It was forcefully advanced. I'm telling you something. I don't know if for Acts 29, I think that there are some words that are still to be, to be discovered, to be released, that God wants you to take up again and begin to forcefully see them advance. Here, 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 here's what I know when I'm talking from experience. Sometimes God talks, and when God talks, sometimes because he doesn't put a time frame on it, we, 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 we get weary after walking a few years, and it didn't come to pass. We lay down and decide, well, maybe it's not God. I hear God saying, pick them up again. I begin to run. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? Another displacement took place. Because when he died, the Bible says, he, 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 he shouted, brohi, and he gave up the ghost. And what happened? Two things happened. The, the, the veil in the temple was what? It was rent from top. Something took place. Once... 
once you once you in the divine will of God and that thing goes the, the veil in the temple was what? It was rent from top. Something took place. Once, once, you, once you're in the divine will of God and that thing goes forth with force, it has to interact with something. It has to hit his word literally. That shout, bang, it ripped the veil from top to bottom. And not only that, but the graves, they began to open and give up the dead. The dead saints, the Bible said, they arose out of their graves. The, the, I don't know how it's the, 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 the bow of the Lord, the word of the Lord, when God speaks a word to you and I, when it interacts with us, when it touches our spirit, man, what it does, it, it energizes us, it, it gives us the, the unction to go on. This is why preaching is so important. This is why teaching is so important. This is why when you get the, the bow of the Lord, it, it stirs you up on the inside. It gives you some, it gives you the energy to, to rise up again and push. Oh, Rebbe de Rabba, Remember Paul and Silas in prison? Again, they weren't in prison just making some little casual noise. They were in prison and they knew that they knew that they knew. You know what? God has to deliver us out of prison. So you know what I'm going to do? And that was one of the pieces that I wanted to talk about. And we'll get to that the next time I come back. Because one of the pieces in our process is that in the midst of all the struggle, in the midst of all the stress, in the midst of all the things that we're going through in God, we've got to come to a place where praises begin to rise from our mouth. So right in the midst of their pressure, Paul and Silas began to praise. They began to release the Dabao of the Lord. And what happened? Bang! Prison gates begin to open. Oh, so let me encourage you today. I believe that for, 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 for Acts 29, this is your eighth year. I, I, I hear the Lord saying that there are some words, there are some things that He has spoken to you that have gone dumb, and God says now is the time to bring them back up again, to regurgitate them, to bring them to life again, and begin to speak them with a force. Begin to speak them with a boldness. Begin to speak them with a strength. Because here's what, that which is designed to accomplish is waiting. That which God has sent that word, what, it, what he has sent it to accomplish, that thing is waiting to be impacted with the force of your word. And so if you, there's no joy and there is no, there is no victory in being quiet and being silent. I think now's the time for you to rise up and begin to shout that word from the rooftop because God is going to give you breakthrough. Amen? Oh, I'm going to stop right here because if I don't stop, we could... We could go here for the next few days. But let me give you a, a, Could I just spell out all the P's for you? And, and you just look it up. And next time I'm back, I promise you I'll pick it up from there. Is that okay? I'm just going to give it to you. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't preach it. I'm just going to give it to you. Hallelujah. Process is not punishment. Yeah, I'm going to go slow. I'm going to go slow. Hallelujah. Oh, it's good. But we did predestination or predestiny we were going to go into prayer because that's what Habakkuk when God told him when he was praying God told him when he received the vision write it down make it plain rehearse it so you can run uh, because vision is, 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 is vision is given not that you can walk vision is given so that you can run you can charge to your destiny uh, purpose the third one is purpose uh, and uh, scriptures Daniel 11.32 Proverbs 15.22 Proverbs 20.18 Romans 8.28 and Revelation 4.11 Daniel 11.22 Proverbs 15.22 Proverbs 20.18 Romans 8.28 and Revelation 4.11 
the fourth P that we would, we, we would have looked at was promise. With every process, there's a promise. God will never take you through a process without a promise. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 20. The fifth P is potential. Uh, within every one of us, there's a, certain, uh, there's a certain potential that God wants to materialize. There's always potential in every one of us that He wants to bring out. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 11 to 15. 1 Timothy 6 11 to 15. So the fifth one is potential. 1 Timothy 6 11 to 15. Number six, process. John 17 15. John 17, 15. And let me quickly give you that word here. Uh, 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 there's a word purpose there, and it comes from a Hebrew word, yatsa. And it means the molding into a form or squeezing into a shape to be pressed and narrowed as in going through a straight. In essence, what it's saying is that there's a mold that God has preordained for you to fit in. And so when, 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 when you step into God's purpose, He's going to press you into that mold. Because at the end of the day, he wants you to come out in that shape. And we all know our mold is Christ. We don't go into that. Uh, number seven, PMS. You all women know what that is. But it's, in, in this case, it means personal or prophetic mood swings. You have to learn how to deal with prophetic mood swings. Because here, as, as children of God, we go through prophetic mood swings. Or we call it programmed mindsets. Uh, John, 7, John 12, 27. Programmed mindsets or prophetic mood swings. Uh, John 12, 27. And under PMS, prophetic mood swings, or, or, or what we call programmed mindsets, there are four things quickly that you need to deal with. All of us go through it. The blame game, the shame game, the performance trap, and the approval addiction. There are four things that we go through during those times that we have to contend with. The blame game, the shame game, the performance trap, and the approval addiction. Next time we'll talk about that. Number eight, the pit. Prophets or people or persons in training. The pit, we all go through our pit, like Joseph. Amen. Uh, so the pit is the place in training, or the prophet in training, or the people or persons in training. That's the place where God shapes you and makes you. You've got to go through your pit, amen. And so, if you if you can't embrace your pit like Joseph embraced his pit, the palace wouldn't be yours. Number nine, promotion. You know, it's one thing to to be down in the dumps and you're blessing God and you're worshiping Him and you're on Him. It's another story when you get promoted. Sometimes the true test of a man is when he has. So, promotion. Psalms seventy-five six to seven. So, promotion a lot of times could be the test of our commitment. To the purpose of God. Ecclesiastes 7.14, Ecclesiastes 7.14, Philippians 4.12, James 1.2-5. Ecclesiastes 7.14, Philippians 4.12, James 1.2-5. Number 10, prosperity. Psalms 118.25, Psalms 118.25. 10, prosperity. Psalms 118.25. Number 11, posterity. Whatever you do, there must be a posterity. No matter what you go through, if you're not going through it because uh, there's a posterity involved, then you're wasting time. And number 12, praises. If the last speed that we go through is praises. At the end of every process, there has to be a singing of praises. You've got to worship Him. You've got to bless Him. When you realize, wait a minute, He has taken me through all of this. And at the end of the day, 
there's something waiting for me. Amen. Uh, so Psalm 150, Psalms 150, and James 1, 2 to 4. James 1, 2 to 4. Amen. So that is the, 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 the 12 P's that I would have gone through. Again, let me quickly run them over for you. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, predestination or predestiny, prayer, purpose, promise, potential, process, PMS. And under PMS, we have four things, the blame game, the shame game, performance trap, approval addiction. Number eight, the pit, which is placed in training or people in training or profit in training. That's where we must go through that. Number nine, promotion. Number ten, prosperity. Number eleven, posterity. And number twelve, praises. Amen. Father, we thank you. And we pray that this word God goes in and that it, 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 it produces the desired result. That at the end of the day, God, this house may grow and increase, may advance in your purpose, my God, and be all that you have ordained and designed it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Your, your leader asked me to bring some books. Uh, when I was coming, I just bought a few books. Um, I was out the door already when I saw his text. So I just ran inside, just picked up a few of them. Um, they're going to go at $15 for one day. There are a few of these. I don't know how many of you have these. Uh, so there are a few of these, and then there, I think there's one each in some of them. There's a few of them otherwise. Not much. There's just one each in these here. Eric, can you just take the book sign? Anyone there, there, there's one each in one of them here. Uh, and this one book here, this is a book that I just, I, I just, uh, I just finished. It's going to be in, in high gloss. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were trying to bring it out in flat, but flat doesn't really... Uh, give us the kind of effect that we want so we told the publisher that we'll do it in complete gloss like every other book so it's already on the way it's, 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 it's printed out, it's published and a shipment is on its way to us so if anybody wants, this, this, is, this, this is the latest book it is good, it's a bit controversial uh, in this book I've gone through Matthew chapter 24, one of the most controversial chapters in all of the Bible as it relates to what people call the end times uh, Matthew 24, I've dealt with that and also Galatians chapter 4. Very, very interesting. Uh, two chapters uh, that, 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 that will cause some stir in the body of Christ. Uh, if you want a copy of this book, this, this book is going to go for 20 bucks for a book. Uh, if you want, I can take names, addresses, take your money, and I can send it to you as soon as it comes. Amen. I'll just make one shipment to, uh, to, to your pastor, and uh, that could be it. Yeah. All right?